God. Enter God. We're going to be in Daniel 2, verses 17 through 30, and some may be thinking, oh, well, you covered verse 17 last time, uh, but we really, we really need that for where we're going to be this morning. So if you follow along, if you don't have a Bible, I put the lyrics, or excuse me, the lyrics, the verses up here so you can read that way. It says this, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give praise, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we have asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lie in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lie in bed came thoughts that would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So what we have before us, what we started to talk about last week, is an impossible situation. Absolutely impossible. Remember, the king didn't want to be duped. So he calls in all of his wise men, and they come in, and, and what does he say to these guys? He says, make known to me not only the interpretation, I also want to know what my dream was. Tell me what my dream was. And amazingly, the men scatter, and they just can't figure it out. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. Remember, this showed us who the frauds were. The king knew that they were frauds when they could not give him what he wanted. Yet Daniel and his friends turn to God. And God does give what is needed. Point number one of today's sermon, we can turn to God because of who he is. 
because of who he is. Daniel and his friends know that if there is going to be any answer to this, it is only going to come from deity. As a matter of fact, the king's wise men know that if any answer will come, it will only come from deity. Remember, they had said that uh, the thing the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. They knew that it had to come from deity. They just didn't know from where And Daniel and his friends turn for God's mercy. God has revealed himself as merciful. And beyond that, we can tell from Daniel's prayer, he reveals many other things about himself. And because of this, you and I this morning, when we're facing the darkness, when we're facing the fear, we can turn to God. So the question is, who is God? Lots of people have lots of ideas about who God is. And as I said last week, I want to re-mention just one more time this week, a lot of us have thoughts about who we want God to be. I serve a God that is all love, and we somehow make an idol out of God. We want to shave off all of his attributes that we don't like, but we can't do that. We need to serve and worship the one true Jehovah God. So Daniel and his friends give us a pretty good idea this morning of who God is. Look at the verses. Starting at verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Who holds wisdom and might? God. It's amazing in the end, he says, it's not because of anything that I am, it's because there is a God in heaven. The God in heaven is the one who holds wisdom and might. They belong to him. He changes times and seasons. Do you see the picture of God getting bigger and bigger as we're going along? Not only does he have the answers, not only does he know all things, he's the one that changes times and seasons. King Nebuchadnezzar is only in place. Why? Because God wants him to be. This is the same for all rulers, all leaders. All rulers come to power because God allows them to. He removes kings, and he sets up kings. Throughout the Old Testament, we see lots and lots of kings throughout the lineage of Judah, throughout the lineage of Israel. Lots and lots of kings. And what we're told, are these kings were put in place by God. Some of them did good in the sight of God. Some of them did bad in the sight of God. Nevertheless, God was the one that allowed them to come to power. It is he who puts people in positions of authority. So not only does he hold all wisdom, he's the one who gives wisdom. But notice, to the wise. And knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. It's amazing because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't give Nebuchadnezzar the answer that he wanted. It's amazing because Nebuchadnezzar was not going to be in a position to be duped, right? Show us the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. No, 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 no. You'll show me both or die. You'll show me both or you'll perish. Not only you, but all the wise men in the land. And because those wise men couldn't show him the interpretation, he sends Arioch out to gather up all the wise men and they are all going to be destroyed. Because the situation is impossible. 
Or is it? With God, all things are possible. With God, nothing will be impossible. He reveals deep and hidden things because he knows them. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. How does God give wisdom and might because it belongs to him? And now have made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So God has told us who he is. Point number two, we can be faithful not only because of who God is, we can be faithful because of what God does. Again, we sometimes have a broken image in our minds about what exactly that is. We think that because the scriptures say, ask anything in my name, that literally you're going to get a Lamborghini, you know, or, you know, the guy that's troubling you is just going to walk away. That's not how God works. The truth is, there's no guarantee that God will always give us what we ask. None. When Daniel and his friends go and seek God, is there any guarantee that God's going to give them an answer? No. They're going and depending on who God has revealed himself to be, and God does answer them. But when we go to our knees in prayer, we don't know how God is going to bring about the things he's going to bring about. And that might give some people uncertainty as far as our prayers. Then why pray? God does change things. God absolutely changes things. God knows the end of where he's going with all things. And he knows where you are. What you and I know is where we are. So God sees the beginning. God sees the end. When we pray, God is still going to get what he's going to get in the end. That's what the scriptures reveal. God is always going to get his way. Amen? Amen. Every time. What happens in between, literally, could be dependent upon your prayers. Maybe I'll pray and say, you know, God, I, I really uh, you know, need a new job to provide for my family. God may give that to me, or he may go a different direction. It does not mean that God is not interacting with me. It does not mean that God is not interceding. It does not mean that God is not intervening in my life. It just isn't always the way that I hope or think that he will. God answers every single prayer. It's just not always the way that we ask him to. So there's no guarantee what's going to happen here. They go and seek him. We can be certain, though, that if we are to have wisdom when we need it, it will come from God. James tells us if any of you lacks wisdom, do what? Ask God. Real simple. You don't know what to do? Ask God. It's so easy. We can have certainty that God will give us the wisdom we need. And if we're going to have the wisdom at all, that it definitely will come from God because he is the one who holds all wisdom. Why can we be certain of this? Why do we know that that's the place wisdom is going to come from? Well, it's real simple. Because to him belongs wisdom and might. If we need the wisdom to accomplish something in our lives, it's not going to come from some magic pot that we have full of it. It's going to come from God and God alone. This particular situation, which is seemingly impossible to us, the only wisdom that can possibly, possibly help out at all has to come from God the Father. 
You and I can be faithful in our trials because of our source. Where does our wisdom come from? It comes from God. It comes from God, the wisdom that He gives us because He is the one that holds wisdom and might. So you and I can be faithful in trial because of our source, because our source is the wellspring, because we can be sure that every single time we turn there, we're going to find what we need. Every time. And uh, lastly, you and I can be confident because of truth. So we can be faithful because of who God is. We can be faithful because of what God does. And we can be confident because of truth. Because truth exists. Do you believe that Nebuchadnezzar believed that there was a truth? If he didn't, what a strange and cruel man to ask wise men to give him a solid answer. If they could just flippantly toss anything out there, he wouldn't let them do that. Because truth exists, and because God is the source of truth, you and I can be confident. This can really, really strengthen our faith in these difficult times where we're fearful. Truth is the enemy of our culture. It literally is. As you and I are are here this morning and we're considering these things, we're considering God's word, God's truth, God's objective standard, There are many people this morning that are living, breathing air that they believe is their truth. And this always kind of falls apart when we chase this out to its logical conclusion. So you say, well, it's not that way to me. Well, good for you. What happens if we start running currency that way? You know, your landlord says, hey, rent's due. 500 bucks, you hand him a buck. It feels like 500 bucks to me. That's not going to last very long. Can I get an amen? Won't work. Try to buy a soda pop at the at the Jolly Farmer and hand them a piece of paper with a dollar that you drew on it. It's it's not going to work. They're not going to because there is truth. There is objective truth. As we talked about before, you know, you and I may walk into this room and some people may be sweating to death and some people may be cold. People that are sweating say, Man, it's awfully hot in here. People that are cold say, Man, it's awfully chilly in here. Who's right? Well, you go back to the thermostat and we have an objective standard. That thermometer that's on there will tell us it's 70 degrees in here. So it doesn't really matter much how we feel about things. It matters what is true. Now we can all take all of the knowledge that we have, all the feelings that we have, and measure them against that objective standard. And our culture hates that and has hated it for a long time. This Paul Fireben says this, the only absolute truth is that there are no absolute truths. The only absolute truth is that there are no absolute truths. Again, if we chase this out to its logical conclusion, it's illogical. How much of the poison can I drink? Well, I don't feel as though the poison will kill me. Will it kill me? If I sit up here and drink poison in front of you all and I say, I feel like this poison will not kill me, what's going to happen? The AED is going to be pulled out. Hopefully you guys can figure something out because I just did a really stupid thing. We'll find out really quickly what truth is. If I tell you the 70-foot stage roof out here is really only two feet and I hop off from it, we will find out very quickly whether or not there was an objective truth. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. 
This man would find out very quickly that there is an objective truth. There is concrete at the bottom, and it takes 72 feet to get there. There is no truth. There is only perception. It doesn't matter what is. It only matters how you feel about it. Our society is being swallowed up by this. Doesn't matter what you say, matters what I think about it. All of a sudden, within the past 30 years, personal opinions have become the standard for all things. And it's a scary, scary world. Amen. Would you want to live in front of, uh, of <laughs> a jury that... They only went by what they felt about you. I mean, you walk in there and you may have, you know, uh, an outfit on that two of them disagree with or they may have had a bad sandwich the night before and all of a sudden you look like the guy who did it. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It matters how they feel about it. This is a scary, scary world. Lastly, there are no facts. There is no truth. Just data to be manipulated. So literally, if you say what you say, but you don't mean what you say, I can take what you say and run with it and make you say whatever in the world I want you to. It's the world we live in, and it is extremely scary. Tomorrow morning, you will all wake up. The sun will be shining somewhere. And we will all have to live in a world where there are objective truths and objective values. That's the world we live in. And the world that God created doesn't care how we feel about it. But see, this answer of there being uh, no objective truth, that does not work for Nebuchadnezzar. It will not work. Notice, really, really interestingly, he wanted the truth. He says to these guys, you're just trying to protect your own necks. You tell me the dream and its interpretation. They wanted to pull the wool. They wanted to be involved in a lie. His guys couldn't deliver. It reminds me of that great and triumphant battle on top of Carmel. Here, Elijah is all by himself. I don't know when the last time uh, anybody tried to build a bonfire was, if you think about it for just a second, he builds all of these stacks of wood and then there are all these prophets of Baal that are over there doing the same exact thing. This is one guy doing all the work, hauling all this stuff over, and this is a whole group of guys doing all the work, hauling it over. They drag the bull up. Can you imagine pulling a bull by yourself? Some of us have trouble pulling our back of our shoe up over our heel. Imagine dragging a bull around. It's just not going to happen. And the men stand out there and they cry out, Obey all, answer us. Obey all, answer us. Nothing. Elijah prays and fire comes down, eating up the gallons and gallons of water that's been dumped over a sacrifice, eating up the wood, the rocks, the sacrifice, everything. Those guys couldn't deliver they said they could do something that they could not do. All of the wise men, the enchanters, the magicians, the necromancers, the astrologers, they all can't do it either. They can't give the king what he wants. 
Enter God. Enter God. I love when the situation seems impossible and all of a sudden God does something really, really crazy. And it's always the way that you and I wouldn't expect Him to do it. And here it comes. Here's the answer. It says, Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. I want everyone to notice here for just a second the confidence that Arioch has. It doesn't say that he might be able to make known the interpretation. I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who, what? Will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me this dream I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that he has asked. This is kind of like a slap in the face. All of the smart guys that you surrounded yourself with, guess what? They can't do it. Wow. Remember, the king didn't just go and, and choose out just anyone to surround him. He chose the choice men. These are men who spent a long time showing the king the magic that they can do or how they can read the stars or how they can give him answers through dead people. And they can't deliver. And Daniel doesn't come up and just say, well, you know, I have an answer for you. He says, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery he has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And again, uh, this series that we're studying right now is not uh, about how this ties to the book of Revelation or about the Antichrist. Uh, we're not going into any of that stuff at all. There are lots of men out there that do the math and they have all that stuff figured out, and that's not me. We're just going at a historic view of the things that happened in exile and the things that happened afterwards, how some of these things were fulfilled. Everybody noticed just for a second that a real prophet can step out of the way. So what always happens when you tell a little fib? What do you got to do? You got to keep it going, right? You got to keep it because now you created this thing. You have to keep this thing alive. Now you need to keep lying just a little bit more here, a little bit there to keep this thing going. A true prophet who actually knows the truth, they don't need to keep the thing going. What can they do? They could step right out of the way. Watch and see what happens now. Watch and see what happens now. A real prophet can just step right out of the way. And just let prophecy be fulfilled. What if it doesn't happen in their lifetime? They have nothing to prove. It's not Daniel up here saying, well, listen to all the things I can do. Listen to how God's blessed me. You really ought to keep me around because I'm a real awesome guy. He has nothing to prove. Look what it goes on to say. Your dreams... And the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, 
Not because of any wisdom that I have. Everyone see that? He's stepping out of the way. Not because of any wisdom that I have. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than any of all the living. Literally, what Daniel is not saying is, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show the king the mysteries asked because I'm better. He says he has no more wisdom than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Why does God reveal the mystery? Why does he do it? Why would he do it? We're told in the scriptures here very clearly. So the king will know. Now, Apart from that, lots of things happen. And this is a mystery within Scripture. This is a mystery within your life and mine. A lot of things happen so this can happen. So, because the king is now able to know, because that's exactly why Daniel said the mystery has been revealed to him so the king will know, what else happens? Daniel and his friends are not executed. The wise men are not executed. You understand just... By God giving the interpretation so that the king will know all of the dominoes that have also been knocked down in the wake of this? Does this mean that God does not intend also to save Belteshazzar and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Absolutely not. They will all be saved by this. All the wise men will be saved by this. This is what's so amazing. He gives them the interpretation so the king will know. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of who God is. God is here revealing something of himself to the king. Daniel was very specific. He said what? There is a God where? In heaven. Who knows mysteries. Who can reveal this to the king. So that you will know the thoughts of your mind. He wants them to know that there is a God in heaven and he alone holds the truth. How are we going to be able to know whether or not it's actually true? Just wait. Just wait because if a prophet has truth, that prophecy will come true. He tells them there is a God in heaven. He alone has the answer for you. It's just him. It only comes from God. For all the spectators... We see God intervenes in the course of human history and into human affairs. So look at all that God accomplishes through this. Gives the king what he wants, saves the people, reveals something of what is to come. There's all kinds of things that are happening. God has all these things happening, and God is intervening in the ordinary courses of, of human affairs, just the everyday lives of you and I. Daniel and his friends go and seek God. They, they put out their appeal to God and God answers. And he intervenes and gives what they ask. And that is so amazing. should give us all confidence that God will intervene in the course of history and the ordinary affairs of you and I, just our everyday happenings. And because of that, because we know that God does intervene in our ordinary lives, because this is a fact, because we see this happening in front of us in the Scriptures, because of that fact... We have to learn something. And it's something that I've been saying every single week so far. I'm going to continue to say it because this is something we all have to learn. We have to learn faithfulness through the fear. 
It's not something we're just given. Understand that Daniel and his friends are going to go through a lot of hard times over upcoming weeks. We're going to read about some very difficult circumstances they were in. And through all of this, they are learning something more about God. They know they can go through this trial because what they saw God do in the last trial. God is revealing himself again and again to these men. And because of that, they're learning faithfulness through the fear. And as you and I study their testimony, study the account of their life, you and I can also learn this great faithfulness. So when you and I are afraid, you and I are facing situations that are very difficult and seem impossible to us you and I also can be faithful even though we're fearful